0: Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Before we dive into this week's chat, which is a really fun one, it's all about identity versus personality and psychology and neuroscience and all the stuff that we really need to understand to be able to get to our next level. I first wanted to give you guys a little update on my life, so as you're listening to this episode. Hopefully, I am either on a plane in the air or I've already landed in the U.S. and I am back home visiting my family. So, fingers crossed for that. I hope that is the situation uh, when this episode goes live. So, I will be going back home to the States to visit my family for Christmas, which I am so, 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 so excited about because I haven't seen them now for a year and a half. I haven't seen my brother or my parents. And last year in January, my brother had his first baby, so I became an aunt, but I still don't know my nephew because all of my trips that I had planned to go visit this year, I think I had three trips planned, all for different things, and they of course all got canceled. So I'm very, very, very excited to hug my family and see them but i thought i would tell you guys maybe a little bit about my christmas traditions in my family cuz i think it's fun just to hear about how everybody does things so we obviously we celebrate christmas And in my family, some of the typical things that we do is, well, my dad and I always bake Christmas cookies together. It's usually just him and I. Um, And it wasn't always this way. Like My mom used to bake cookies when we were kids growing up, but she really just didn't enjoy it and it felt like such a chore to her. So one year when I was in high school, I think I was in high school when we first started this tradition, my dad and I, him and I were just like, we want those we want some dang Christmas cookies. Like we want – like we just need that as part of our Christmas experience. So him and I one day decided to get all the stuff out and open up my mom's old recipe books. She was working – and just figure out like how the heck to make these cookies and make them our freaking selves. So we did that and they actually turned out so good. So after that, my mom was like, okay, that's your tradition now. Like I'm not making them anymore. I don't have to do it. Like hands off for me. It's all up to you guys. So that's kind of how that tradition started. My dad and I always bake um, Christmas cutout cookies together. And it's so much fun and I love that him and I have that like little bonding moment experience together. So that's one of my favorite traditions of Christmas. And then on Christmas Eve, as a family, it's always been since we were kids that we get pajamas on Christmas. I know a lot of people do that. So love having brand new pajamas to sleep in the night before Christmas. And then our Christmas morning traditions are... My mom makes homemade cinnamon buns, like cinnamon rolls, but they're they're not like the the ones that have like that white frosting on them. They're like I don't know how to expri- to describe them. They're so much more like I don't know, like caramely and homemade and they're so 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 good. So we have my mom calls them cinnabuns. So we have cinnabuns for breakfast. And we usually always have champagne as well, like mimosas, so we'll do champagne and orange juice and coffee, obviously, and then we all kind of like sit around the tree and start opening our stockings together. Stockings in our house are like the best, so we always tend to start with those because they're the most fun, like just so many like epic small gifts inside of, of your stocking, like technology and jewelry and perfume and just like all the fun like little stuff so that's and and I guess my parents have always made an effort to make the toe of the stocking have something really like fun and special and surprising in it so it's always fun to kind of go through and everybody open up their stockings together and try and get to the toe and there's usually like a really nice fun gift at the toe of the stocking. So we sit around, we eat our breakfast and drink our champagne mosas and open up our stockings and then we do gifts and we just do it like really cozy and slow and we alternate between like who's opening and who's gifting and we just spend like a couple of hours sitting around together and talking and laughing and enjoying the whole process of of giving and and opening up the gifts so that's kind of our Christmas traditions um so I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's so interesting when you spend Christmas away from your family, especially in a different country, you really gain like a new appreciation for your family's traditions and even just like your country's traditions and and how the holidays are celebrated where you're from because it is yeah it's so different in other places like Christmas here in Spain is so so different they don't even you know the 25th is like they usually just have some sort of like family dinner together but there's no gifts on that day which I know for us in the states is like the big day that's like the main day Christmas day and here it's just a family dinner in the evening and that's kind of it it's the celebration of Jesus's birthday but um there's no there's no gifts for them because they don't celebrate Santa Claus. They celebrate uh, the three kings or the three wise men, and so that day is in January after the New Year. It's January sixth. That's like the big day that they celebrate here, and that's when they get gifts. Um, and they they don't get any. The kids don't get any gifts from parents or aunts or grandparents or anything like that. The all the gifts that they get are from "quote unquote like the three kings the the three wise men. So I thought that was so interesting to learn too like cuz when I was a kid it was always we had our gifts from Santa and then we also had our gifts that were like from our parents. Um but they they don't do it like that here or at least most families don't from what I've heard and seen and inquired about. So anyway, yeah, it's really interesting when you go and you spend Christmas away from your family or in a different country just makes you appreciate a lot more like your traditions and the way that you you do stuff in your family so i'm very much looking forward to going home and spending time there and i'm also really really excited for the Reset Challenge because obviously that's going to kick off the first Monday in January but while I'm at home we will be doing the book club portion of the Reset Challenge. So if you registered before the 15th, so if you registered yesterday or any time before that you get to be in the book club group with me. So we're going to be doing very specific challenges inside of that group to prepare your life and your home and your energy for the new year and those are totally separate. From what we're gonna be doing in the reset challenge. So it's like extra resources and challenges and things like that. And we're gonna be going through the ebook together. And yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. To just like get to see everybody who's already registered for the challenge and kind of get to know you guys. So I'm very, very excited for that. If you haven't registered for the challenge yet, you definitely can still do so. You haven't missed it. Um, you can register anytime from now until January 3rd, is like the ultimate last, last day that you would be able to register because we're going to start on January 4th. So if you're still like out of the loop on Reset Challenge, go over to my Instagram and check the Reset Challenge. Highlight, send me a DM, ask me if you have any questions. But basically, we are going to move, meditate, and manifest every day for the first 10 days of the new year. Kind of. It's the first two weeks. We'll start on the 4th because that's the first Monday. And we'll do Monday to Friday for those two weeks of January. So you get a workout, a yoga flow, a meditation, and some sort of actionable step for manifestation every single day for the 10 days and it's all delivered to you in a really easy to follow format like the workouts are pre-recorded so you can follow along wherever you are in the world at whatever time works for you. The meditations are totally downloadable so you can save them to your computer or your phone and listen to them on the go or whenever you want. You can you get to save those for forever so you can have 10 free guided meditations that come with your membership into the Reset Challenge. And then in addition to all that stuff, there's also going to be the master. Class, which is going to be so much fun. I'm doing a manifestation masterclass and I'm going to be teaching on a lot of different and new topics uh, that I haven't taught to you guys before in my courses or anywhere really. So I'm very, very excited to, to deliver that to you guys that are joining me in the Reset Challenge because yeah, it's like a $197 value is what I usually charge for masterclasses. So you get that totally for free inside of your $55 membership to the Reset Challenge. So I'm very, very excited to dive into all of that with you guys. And I can't wait to be home with my family. And I'm wishing you all an amazing happy holidays. Uh, we will obviously hang out and talk before then. But I just thought I'd give you like a little life update before we jump into this episode. But I think that's it from me. So let's get right into this episode. Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go make shift happen. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a really interesting topic that I want to share with you. And it's this idea of identity and personality and kind of defining those two terms and looking at what they mean and how they're created and also how they influence our ability to be able to create the life that we want and to project into the future and to achieve our goals and manifest the things that we want. So it's really, really relevant if you're in the realm of wanting to change your life and you love personal development. And you also just want to understand how you can pursue your own personal evolution more successfully. So um, it's really interesting this the the concept of how we view personality and identity. And basically, you know, like people think that personality is fixed. It's something that you're born with. Or you develop at a young age and then that's just kind of your personality, right? Like you are an introvert or you are an extrovert or you are a seven on the Enneagram or you are an INFJ or whatever, right? So people use these different testing methods to understand their personality better. And while all of that has a place and it definitely has value, it can help you understand yourself on, on a much deeper level. I think sometimes we get caught in the trap of feeling like that means everything is already decided for us and we're kind of put in this box of like this is who you are and this is how you operate and you just need to be able to work with it and while you know that's I think this is a fine line because with things like astrology especially like I look at astrology as like the soul's blueprint and and human design as well because that includes astrology and so many other modalities that help us understand ourselves. There are definitely when we talk about like nature versus nurture and that type of stuff, I definitely believe that there is nature involved and that we have inherent qualities and gifts and abilities and tendencies and things like that. So it's not that I don't believe in those things, because if you know me and if you've worked with me, you know that I love that stuff. <laughs> like, I'm a, give me all the personality tests. I want them all. I love them. <laughs> I'm obsessed with them. Um, so, you know, all of that stuff totally, totally still has a place and is valid and can be helpful if we utilize it in the right way. But this idea that our personality is fixed and that's just how we are, that can get really damaging or limiting in terms of if you do want to create more expansiveness in your life or more abundance or you want to go beyond the the bounds of what you've seen to be possible in your immediate examples with your family and your surroundings and things we have to have a more flexible idea of who we are as a person and and how we view our personality so You know, personality, purpose, and passion, these are like the three Ps that people think that you have to discover or find. And these are actually things that we create, okay? So I believe that there is some nature involved in personality and there's some things within us that are inherent that we can look to these personality tests and natal charts and human design and all that kind of other stuff for. But there's also this really powerful idea that we get to create and change and evolve our personality whenever we want to. And I was listening to this psychologist. His name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy and he's a best-selling author and his new book is called Personality Isn't Permanent. And it's all about this idea, right, that our personality is actually flexible and so the way that he defines personality is personality being the way that you consistently show up in the world and if you're familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza he talks about personality in a similar way so you know Ben Hardy says how you consistently show up in the world and Dr. Joe Dispenza says it's the way that you act think and feel so it's this this mixture, right? The, the, how you show up in the world is that combination of your thoughts, your actions, and behaviors. So that's essentially what personality is. But by believing that your personality is fixed or it's set or it's non-moldable, flexible, changeable, adaptable, that leads us to live sort of with a passive approach to life. So if you know anybody or if you yourself – are still saying things like, that's just how I am, or, you know, like things like that, that that really limit your idea about who you are and who you're capable of becoming, then that to me is a sign that there's there's work to be done, right? So anybody that says, oh, that's just how I am, that means that they have a fixed mindset in regards to the way that they view themselves, what they think that they're capable of, the change that they that they believe is possible or available to them. They're stuck in that kind of fixed mindset. And there's this quote, from Mark Manson who is the author of the book um, I think he's he's written many books but the most famous one that most people are familiar with is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So he's the author of that book and there's this quote from him that I wanted to share with you cuz it relates to this so well. He says, "The attitude of that's just how I am, take it or leave it is still a sign of immaturity." As an adult, it's your responsibility to figure out which of your traits are toxic and are negatively impactful towards other people and the ones you love and to eventually learn how to fix them. At some point, we all got to start making ourselves better individuals. If you truly believe you don't have to change anything about yourself, even at the very least the worst in you, and that people will just have to deal with it, then sorry, you're still a child. And if you know anything, if you're familiar with uh, Mark Manson's work and his books and his writing, he's very, very blunt. So you can you can feel that in that quote. <laughs> so if that's something that you have thought or you've been taught to think, um, let's break free of that now. Let's just give up that idea of, oh, that's just how I am or I can't change that about me or why should I have to change or even the idea maybe that change is bad. That's a That's another common one, right? Like when you were in school, and I remember in our yearbooks, everybody would always write "never change," <laughs> like, and there was this whole idea as a kid growing up that, like, when someone changed it was bad and it meant that they moved away from who they authentically were and they were trying to be somebody else and it was fake and now we don't like them because, ooh, she's changed or he's changed, right? So really looking at if you've ever held that belief, because I definitely held that belief when I was younger, when I was a teenager probably. Um, you know, if people changed, I felt like, oh, they're just trying to be somebody else. But now I've let go of that belief and I really, I like, I love change. I love seeing people change. Actually, that's like, now that I think about it, that's like my job, isn't it? <laughs> it's to like literally help people change. So, change is a good thing, change is beautiful. And we should be allowing ourselves and the people in our lives to change because that means that they're growing and they're evolving and they're hopefully, you know, getting better. So back to the the definition of personality, right? How you consistently show up in the world. That's your personality. So then what is identity? This is because personality and identity in terms of psychology are two different topics. And so the way that Ben Hardy defines identity is the stories we tell ourselves about who we are. So your identity essentially like identity comes first identity drives your behavior okay so who you believe yourself to be the stories that you tell yourself about who you are that's going to influence your behavior and the way that you show up in the world which then produces your personality because your personality is how you consistently show up in the world how you think act feel and behave right so that's how that works and In when we think about fixed mindset versus growth mindset, in the research around this concept of fixed mindset versus growth mindset, it shows that people with a fixed mindset have a pretty definitive view of who they are in the present. And that makes them assume that their future self will be relatively the same. And it kind of limits how expansive they can dream or grow in the future, right? Because if you have that belief of, oh, that's just how I am. This is how I am. I can't change, nor do I want to change, or you shouldn't want me to change. When we have that belief, that means that who we are is, is basically definitive right it's this one thing it's rigid it's not changing and so that then inherently limits what you would believe to be possible for yourself in the future and this comes in a lot when people want to start breaking out of their comfort zone or out of what they've normally done or they want to start new careers or they want to start a business or they want to share a blog or do something on social media and they struggle with the identity of like oh but like i'm not that type of person or i don't do that right i don't i don't share my life online or i don't talk on camera or i'm not an influencer Right? This is just a good example for how we can get caught in that fixed mindset. Because what's happening when you start to change your identity, right? Or you start to change your behaviors, rather, right? Knowing that our behaviors is what indicates our personality. If you start to change the behaviors, so if you start to get on camera, and go online or if you start to write and share your writing with others through blogs or you start to decide that you maybe want to shift your career and do something totally different, any of those things, you start to change the behavior and then it creates a crisis for your identity because you're like, wait, 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 wait. This behavior, this part of my personality doesn't line up with the stories that I tell myself about who I am. It, the, my personality is not lining up with my identity. Right, So then that creates resistance, imposter syndrome, all these things. But when you adopt the idea that your identity and your personality are forever flexible and changing, it's much easier to move through those types of experiences and accept the fact that you are able to change and that you want to change and that it's a good thing that you're changing. So it's a good thing that you in the past maybe weren't the type of person to share your life or your stories, but now you are. And understanding that that jump doesn't make you an imposter and it doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't make you trying to be something that you're not. It makes you someone who has a growth mindset, who's gotten new information, new inspiration, new ideas and has expanded their concept of who they are and what they're able to achieve, accomplish or do in this lifetime. So I think that can be really, really helpful if you ever have experienced that feeling of like wanting to do something new, but then feeling like, oh no, but like that's not who I am. I don't do that. Like, because again, the fear that would come from that is not only based on your perception of your identity and who you believe yourself to be, but it's also highly influenced by your perception of how others see your identity right? So if everybody has known you for your whole life to be one certain way and then you start to kind of break that mold and you show up differently and you start doing something differently or you change your career or you change what you talk about or how you think and your attitude towards certain things or you change your faith or you change whatever, there's that fear of like, oh, everybody else is going to think that I'm fake and that I'm trying to be something that I'm not and that I'm trying to you know become some different better version that's not actually who I am because they are other people are operating off of that old perception that old identity that you built right you built the identity and you shared it with them and you showed it to them and now that's their concept of who you are and then you're going to come and show up and start doing behaviors or speaking in a way that represents the new identity that you've built for yourself and this new these new facets of your personality and that new one doesn't match with the old one that they are so used to and so if the people in your life have a fixed mindset they will be thrown off by that if they have a growth mindset They'll recognize it as positive change and growth and evolution, but a lot of times we run into people or family members or friends that have more of a fixed mindset and they're like, what are you doing? Like doing this new stuff, you know, like that's, isn't that weird for you? Like you've never done that before. So we also have that crisis in our mind of like, shit, everybody else is going to see the change and they're going to think that I'm faking something or that I'm trying too hard or that. I'm becoming different, right? So we all need to work on changing our minds about the idea of change and that it's actually a really positive thing when people start to change. Obviously, you know, within the parameters of them changing for their own benefit and for the the benefit of their lives and being able to achieve their dreams. People can change in negative ways for sure, but you get what I'm saying. So Anyway, where were we? I went on I went on a major tangent there about personality. Okay, so then we were talking about identity. The definition of identity is the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and that drives our behavior and that produces our personality. So this psychologist from Harvard, his name is Daniel Gilbert, he studies how the self is kind of continuously evolving. So he talks about like, how we're constantly becoming new and different people throughout our life so basically what this means is like you right now are not the same person that you were 10 years ago and your future self will also be a totally different person than who you are today they will have a different concept of their identity they'll have a different personality and the reason that they will have a different personality is because they will have different thoughts actions feelings and behaviors and that's what comprises the personality so you can look back 10 years ago and look at the way that you acted and what your most common emotions were and how you felt about certain things and how you spoke and I'm sure you can identify that that is so far Removed from the person that you are today, hopefully, right? I mean, that's the goal that we continuously evolve. So he talks about this idea of really understanding that who you were in the past, who you are in the present, and who you will become in the future are all very, very different people. And according to his research, it's actually highly beneficial to view your past, present, and future selves this way as completely separate individuals so we can choose to start practicing reframing our identity, right? Identity is shaped again, just to recap, identity is shaped through our life experiences and through society and culture, but it but it can also be intentionally shaped by us imagining a different future self. So this is where it gets really cool, right? We we get to reframe our identity and the way that we view ourselves by imagining a different future self and this is why we always talk about visualize your next level self and who is your future self and who is your best self like in all of all of the work that I do this is such a a common theme it's such a common thread because it is so insanely powerful in making you more psychologically flexible and allowing you to grow and expand more easily and also at a faster rate so it's really important for you to start imagining your future self really intentionally and that will help you start to kind of mold and reframe and reshape your identity so according to this this research it's a lot more beneficial to us to hold the idea of our identity more flexibly in our mind, right? So fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Fixed mindset means that you view yourself in a very definitive way. This is who I am. This is how I function. That's it. Whereas growth mindset, you hold this concept in your mind a lot more flexibly of like, well, you know, this is how I think and act and behave and perceive of things and do things right now, but it hasn't always been like that and it won't always be like that, I'm assuming, because… I view my past self as a different version, and I also view my future self as a different version. So I want to go back and and talk a little bit more about Dr. Joe Dispenza um, because I love his work. And if you follow other people in the personal development space, I'm sure you've heard of him before. Um, He's really, really popular. He's written many books, but uh, one of the most famous ones that people are familiar with is his book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And it's this idea of you know who we've been conditioned to show up as or who we've gotten comfortable being in this world is actually the thing that's holding us back so we get in our own way when we become fixed in who we believe ourselves to be so if you can't change if you can't change your behavior or your thoughts then why would you be able to get any Different or better results in your life. If you truly believe that your personality is who you are and how you are, and that's just it, that would mean that you don't have control, you don't have autonomy over changing your thought patterns and your behaviors. And if we can't change our thought patterns and our behaviors, then how the heck are we gonna change our lives? How are we gonna expect to receive or create anything different in the future? So this is the concept of his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. You have to break the habit of thinking and acting in the way that you do right now in order to be able to create new situations, new experiences, new emotions, and new results in your life, which is a really cool concept. Like I love the title of the book because at first you're like, what? Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. How is being yourself a habit? But then you think about what that actually means. Being yourself, right? Being yourself is is your personality, which is your thoughts, actions, and feelings. And so we do. We have to break those things. We have to shake them up. We have to change them if we want new and better results. And so one of the quotes that um, Dr. Joe Dispenza always uses is your personality creates your personal reality. And so he's he's a neuroscientist he's very well educated he's the work that he does is extremely fascinating he has these amazing seminars where people come and they pay so much money and they come from all over the world to be able to to be in his presence and work with him for a week straight um, among thousands of other people and do these crazy healing meditations and you know, they measure like the length of their telomeres and so much of their DNA and their, they do brain scans and they, they really take this scientific medical approach to manifestation and how you can create not only new and better experiences in your life, but also really change your health. So if you're familiar with him, you'll know that a lot of people go to these seminars in order to be healed. And there's so many crazy stories about people who have gone to one of Dr. Joe's events and they went in with stage four cancer and maybe after going to his event and following his processes and working with him for several months, they get a clear scan uh, that they're cancer free or they go and they are almost entirely blind from some sort of accident that they've had in their life. And he's actually shown, you know, the scans of of the eye and how much they can see. And like people recuperate their seeing and um, people become free of disease and they become free of autoimmune issues. And like there's all kinds of crazy, crazy stories uh, at his events. And so I love that he takes... That he, he builds science and, and medical science and our biology into the ideas around manifestation and law of attraction. And he really uses meditation and all these other tools to allow people to create a different and better future for themselves. So that quote that he uses all the time, your personality creates your personal reality is, you know, that's like his, that's like his main saying and you can tell just from the quote that it it really sounds like manifestation, right? You create your reality, essentially. If we understand that the personality is flexible, it's moldable, it's changeable, and we know that that's what creates our reality, that means by changing the way that we think and behave and feel, we get to change our experience of the world around us. So you have to change your identity in order to change your experience, your physical experience in the world, right? Um... And so, I think that's just another. If you're not familiar with Doctor Joe Dispenza, like definitely look into him. He's been on every major podcast ever, promoting his books and talking about his work. Um, he's incredible, and it's so so cool to learn about his own personal story. He was um, riding in a, I think he was doing a triathlon, and he was. This was back in the 80s too, I think, and um, he was hit by a he was hit by a car going like 55 miles an hour and um thrown off of his bike and he totally like crushed and shattered his spine and they told him that he would never walk again and that he had to get this this surgery to put a metal rod in his back and he was a doctor at the time Uh, he wasn't doing the work that he does now in terms of like helping people change their lives through the process of meditation and understanding your your thoughts and emotions and personality but he was uh, he was a doctor. And so when he was in the hospital and they were telling him like you'll never walk again and you need to get this surgery, he felt some sort of intuitive knowing that like the body knows how to heal. Like when you get a cut or you have some sort of injury, the body knows how to heal itself. It doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be told. And Obviously, Western medicine like has a place for lots of things, but this is just a really cool story. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, So he decides to leave the hospital. He doesn't want the surgery. He's like, no, I'm going to decline. And everybody told him like, you're crazy. What are you doing? (laughs) Get back to the hospital. You need this operation. Like you need to, to walk again. And he I wonder I can't remember if he was doing if he was doing um chiropractic at the time and that's why he knew so much about the spine because he definitely had his own private practice at that point because he always talks about how he wanted he he was fearful that he would never be able to practice again and things like that if he couldn't stand and use his his physical strength so um I I maybe should have gotten more details about his story before I told this, but I wasn't planning on going on this tangent. So anyway, you get the gist. (laughs) So he declines the surgery and he, he has this intuitive knowing that the body knows how to heal. And so he decides to try and heal his spine with his mind. And he goes on this journey of meditating and trying to visualize all of the pieces of his spine so he has the scans he has the x-rays he knows exactly what what vertebrae and things are out of place and completely squashed and what what parts have you know bits that were broken off and thrown out into the surrounding fluid around it like he knows what it looks like and being a doctor he can kind of visualize how all those parts and pieces need to come back together to heal the spine and be a fully formed proper vertebra whatever you want to call it so not a doctor here clearly so he decides he's going to meditate on that and visualize the whole process happening so he's going to visualize every single piece of the broken spine and all the vertebrae coming back together and forming completely correctly and he commits to trying to do the entire visualization of healing his whole spine without having any other thought or emotion or thing Infiltrate the process so you know how difficult it is if you meditate to not have a, a random thought pop up or come in and so this is the journey that he goes on and I think it took him a couple of weeks maybe And every day he would just practice for hours trying to get through the whole visualization of healing the entire spine without getting distracted or having any other sort of thought or fear of like, this isn't going to work or I'm never going to be able to practice again or, you know, what's going to happen to my life or my finances or whatever, like all that stuff that would obviously be plaguing any normal person in their mind when they have a shattered spine and they're choosing to not get medical help for it. So eventually he gets to the point of completing the full visualization, fully healing his spine. I think he said it took him like three hours. It was like a three hour long visualization of actually, you know, him watching the spine come back together and fully heal. And he finally does it one day without any interruption. And so he does this visualization and he heals his spine. Like his spine just came back together. And you'll have to listen to him talk about it so that you can hear more of the details about everything that was like actually going on and all the, the you know, the medical details and nuances and stuff. But it's such a cool story. And within, I think he says within a couple of months, he was, he was walking again. He was, he returned to his practice. He was working again. Like something that was supposed to be totally debilitating and not allow him to ever walk again. And he healed it with his mind so his story is just really cool and kind of teaching the power that the mind has and so that's the work that he does with all these people that come to his events all around the world um, and they want to they want to heal and they want to transform um, so he's a really cool person definitely look into to his work he's epic um, but what else did I want to say about this oh I, want, I wanted to talk about his how he talks about the three different levels of the brain so Obviously, he talks a lot about manifestation without really using – he does use the word manifestation sometimes, but he doesn't use the same jargon that you're going to find like on my podcast and stuff like that because again, he takes such a scientific and medical approach to the reality of manifestation, which is also cool if you have a more kind of like practical, logical, like I need the facts uh, type of brain his the way that he speaks about it and talks about it although it's very complex and medical it might resonate more with you or it might resonate more with someone that you know you're already like oh my god yes like I believe in manifestation I love it I know it's real but there's people in your life that are like thinking that it's garbage you know that might be something really cool uh, that they would resonate with more because he's just like super factual with it so he talks about the three levels of the brain this the 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 neocortex which is the the part that's responsible for learning new information again I'm going to give you guys really layman's terms because I'm not a doctor and I'm not a neuroscientist but I love learning about neuroscience and I geek out on it and I love it because it's such a big part of understanding how we can change our mindset and in return change our lives so I want to share this with you stay with me Neurocortex, the neocortex, sorry. The neocortex. This is the part of our brain that helps us learn new information. It, it it integrates the information that's coming in through all of your senses, right? So through sight, smell, sound, touch, it's pulling in that new information and it's helping us integrate it. So this is what we would call kind of like the thinking level. And then the next level is the limbic brain and so this is what's responsible for employing the the willpower right it makes your willpower kick in it helps your willpower start to apply the new information so in the neocortex we're thinking and we're learning and new information is coming in and then we go to that next level of the limbic brain and the willpower kicks in and we start to actually apply that new information and make it applicable And then the third level is the the cerebellum. And this is where repetition turns the new information into actions and into part of our identity. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so we have to go through these three levels. We have to go through the neocortex thinking, the limbic doing, and the cerebellum being whoa (laughs) I find that so mind-blowing thinking doing being neocortex limbic cerebellum right that's the process that we have to go through to actually change our identity and change our personal reality so we have to learn the new information at the first level accept the new information it's coming in and then we have to Apply that information and make it sensible and make it tangible and do it. And then we have to repeat that over and over again so that it becomes part of who we are or part of our belief system. It becomes ingrained into our subconscious, it becomes part of our identity. And once you change your identity, you change your future, you change your life, you change what's possible for you. Going back to that quote, your, personal, your personality creates your personal reality. So once we can change our actions and behaviors through going through that three-step process of thinking, doing, being, we get to start to attract and become a next-level version of of ourselves. I hope this is making sense to you guys. I feel a little bit scattered because I obviously have notes here with all the things that I want to cover because it's super science-y and like I'm again not a doctor but I hope this is I hope this is making sense. I think I think we're I think we're getting there (laughs) but I hope this is making sense to you guys. So that is essentially the process right of okay how do I how do I get closer to my next level self? How do I get closer to the future that I want to create and the things that I want to manifest? It's that three-step process of learning the new information that's required, implementing it and doing it, and then repeating it over and over again so that it becomes part of who you believe yourself to be and who you are. And that's why it's so powerful Um, I want to talk about a couple of these different techniques that we can use to reframe our old beliefs and patterns so that we can change because there's a couple of there's a couple of ways worth mentioning and I'm sure there's many 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 others but the ones that I want to talk to you guys about are the first one is something called the change technique. And so this is where if you find yourself having a thought or a behavior or something that is of the old self, right? So viewing your old self as a different person, a different version, if you find one of those thoughts or negative habits or patterns or behaviors coming up, you can use the change technique by clapping your hands and saying change, basically, when you recognize yourself in that old pattern and then choosing to switch the, the thought or the behavior so that it's coming from you know a, a better more positive place so literally in your life when you have an old thought or a negative tendency come up you can literally be like you pause you notice that it's happening you clap your hands and you say change and then you choose a new thought, or you choose a new behavior, or you choose a new way to react to the person, the situation, the argument, the text, the email, the whatever. And I kind of do this in my own way. I don't, I don't do the clapping thing, but that's um, you know something that that Dr. Joe talks about. And so I do this by kind of like grabbing the thought in the air like I I always do this when I'm talking to clients and we're talking about how to reframe their negative thoughts I'll just reach my hand up kind of like next to my head and I basically grab the thin air and because this is the the symbol that I always use for becoming aware right it's like I'm catching the thought that doesn't serve me like a fly I'm catching it in my hand I'm catching it I'm pulling it out of thin air so I'll kind of like grab the air up over my head. I'll grab the air and I'll just like throw it to the side. And that is a symbol of me becoming aware of the thought, holding it, grabbing onto it and then choosing to reject it and throw it away from my from my energetic field, from my space. So I grab it and I throw it away. And the, the reframing process that I teach to all of my clients is what you can say to yourself in those moments is you can say, I forgive myself for believing blank. I choose to believe blank. So you have a, an old negative thought or limiting belief or whatever it is that pops up. You grab it in the air with your hand and you say, I forgive myself for believing blank, whatever the negative thought was. I choose to believe blank. And you replace it with one of your more... Beautiful, more true, more positive affirmations or things that you choose to believe about the world. So, an example could be like, Um, I don't know, like I have such bad luck or why do bad things always happen to me? That might be a a story or a pattern or a pattern, a thought pattern that you could have had in the past. And so if that came up for me of like, why does it I have such bad luck with this, why does this always happen to me, I would grab the thought in the air and I would say, I forgive myself for believing that bad things always happening happen to me. I choose to believe that everything is always working out for me and the universe has my back. Things are happening for me, not to me. And then throw that old thought away. And that is something that you can do completely in silence. If you're like in a situation where you can't really like grab the air or you don't want to do the clapping thing, you don't have to. You can just do that silent uh, reframing sentence structure in your head. And I find that uh, to be to be really, really effective. So these are just, you know, little techniques that you can use to actually start the process of breaking the habit of being yourself and starting to become a new version you can also pause and ask yourself how would my future self react or show up in this instance so if we're trying to get closer to our next level self we want to become the future self when we're faced with a decision or a situation or an experience or or you know, someone's being really reactive towards us, or we're in, an, in a disagreement, or an argument, or we feel stressed. Any of those situations that might trigger old patterns and behaviors of ours, we get to pause and ask ourselves, how would my future self react or show up in this instance? And then make your decision for what you say and do next from the place of your future self. And then there's that piece, that last piece of the three levels of the brain, the cerebellum, the being part, right, which requires the repetition. So it means you can't just do this once and then be like, okay, I'm a new person now and I'm getting so much closer to my future self. No, we have to do this continuously, repetitively with consistency so that we start to ingrain this way of thinking and doing and being into our subconscious mind we actually wire and fire new neural pathways and we create a new way of being and experiencing the world as a result you can also work with if you want to work a lot more on reframing past stories or thoughts tendencies you can work with a coach or a therapist or someone one-on-one that can help you create that repetition of continuously learning how to reframe old patterns and thoughts and things like that because it is it does require that consistency and so sometimes it's hard to build that into your life and into your into your day on your own and so a lot of people find that they do need that accountability of having a coach or a therapist or a a hypnotherapist or you know working with some type of person one-on-one that helps them continuously reframe, choose new thoughts and build those new neural pathways that are going to help them become that next level version of themselves. So I think that's everything that I that I wanted to cover on this topic. So far there's obviously so much more that that you can learn about in terms of personality and identity and how that really shapes our ability to become a new version of ourselves and step into that next level of our life Um, but if I I I hope this episode was helpful uh, in in allowing you to to understand some of the science behind it why it works and what it really requires so if you're looking for a way to kind of implement some of this information right now Something that I would suggest is that you journal on who your future self is so that you start by getting clarity around who it actually is that you're trying to become, where are you going, what is that life going to look like, what is it going to feel like, right? And really outlining that new identity that you're going to try and build and step into. And then once you have a clear idea of who the next level self is, you start to do that reframing work of catching those thoughts that belong to the old self and reframing them and making decisions from the standpoint of how the new self, how the future self would make them. So I hope you guys find this found this episode helpful i'd love to get your feedback and what your favorite takeaways were so take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories and let me know what you learned or what your favorite takeaway was and don't forget to tag me at underscore samantha daily and at makeshift happen podcast sending you guys so much love and i'll see you next week